Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I am Katie Dalebout, your host, and today's episode is an amazing one with my friend and nutritionist and amazing human being and also another podcast host of the amazing podcast Food Psych, Christy Harrison. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know that she's a return guest, one of the few. And this is a really fun follow-up conversation to our first conversation. Since then, we've become really great friends, and we actually recorded this podcast many months ago as well. And a big announcement is that I'm going to be going to New York in April, and we're going to be doing a live podcast episode together. So more info and date and time on that to come. Make sure you're on my email list if you're not already. The link to that will be in the show notes, as well as you know, follow me on social media for updates on everything with that as well as my book launch and book tour. I'm going to be going to a bunch of different cities, including New York, which is why I'll be there in April, and we'll be able to do the live podcast while I'm in town. And if you want to help out with the book launch, join my Let It Out book ambassadors. And there's still time to get in on that. The link, again, will be in the show notes to that as well. And if you haven't left a review on the podcast on iTunes, that would be fantastic. It helps a ton. So if you could just stop on over to iTunes next time you're on your computer, got to do it on your computer, can't do it on your phone. I don't know why. They should really make that a capability. Maybe they will soon. And leave a review. It would be super helpful. So thank you guys so much for listening. Tweet me. Show me where you're listening. Do you listen while you're taking a bubble bath or while you're driving or while you're walking? All of the above while you're cooking? I don't know. I want to know. So tweet at Christy or myself and send us a message and let us know what you thought of the show. So thank you guys as always for listening and I will talk to you in the episode. anywhere near Lena Dunham's status, but I feel like when I first started my podcast too, I was just starting to like like transition into treating eating disorders from a whole other specialty of nutrition. And I kind of was like, I'm so interested in this stuff and it needs to be discussed and I'm out there doing it. But really I was not very educated on how to speak about it at first. So I think I kind of made some missteps and, you know, learned as I went along, but it's interesting that she's doing that on this massive scale, you know? Yeah, no, I know. And um, well, by the way, I Pete Homestyled started recording. So yeah, I love going. it. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Yeah, as I started recording. Um, but and I have I wrote down like a million things I want to ask you. But this this is interesting because this is one of the things that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you is about. And we've talked about this many times before. And I was going to listen to my first episode with you today to make sure this wasn't repetitive, but I don't even remember. And that was so long ago. So I'm sure it, it won't be because, a ago. yeah, forever ago. And I like, 
I always say this all the time, but I change so quickly. And I mm. think we all just change so quickly. But I think especially like in your early 20s, you just like change mm. at like this like rapid fire pace where it's just like, I don't even remember what I, who I was when, when <laughs> I was like a different person then, yeah. you know, because we like change so quickly. But anyways, yep. we've talked about this a lot before. And I, I'm trying to remember if it was on a podcast or just like when you and I have been on the phone, mm-hmm. but about that. And you've definitely talked about it on Food Psych, but I don't know if I've talked about it on here too much, but about how when people are have eating disorders or are obsessed with their bodies and food and diet and nutrition and their careers are in this like malleable place, it changes the trajectory of your, their life and mm-hmm. their career. And that was the case for both you and I. <laughs> totally. And, um, and it's crazy. It's just crazy to think about that and how um, – you know, having this thing that happened to us a long time ago is still part of our life and kind of going to be part of our life for a while, speaking out about it and telling our story about it. And I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, not so much, um, you know, that it's this like part of my life that's like so far behind me because it's not it's not that far and but it's going to get further and further and will I still be talking about it or will I still be talking about it in a new way and then really like getting honest with myself and asking myself like yes I'm so passionate about body positivity and health at every size and really like promoting these things that are like still very taboo and at least not mainstream Mm -hmm. and so I'm definitely passionate about it but I'm kind of questioning my motives of like Am I so passionate about it because I'm trying to convince myself, you know? Yeah. And and really, like, I don't even want to say that out loud because I (laughs) don't want that to be the case. Let that be true, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure it's part of it, you know? Like, I'm sure. Totally. Do you think about that? Talk to me. Tell me. Oh, my God. Yes, I do. Um, I It's interesting, too, because I feel like the stuff that I needed the most when I started this podcast or even when I started my journalism career, you know, writing about food and like decided to become a nutritionist, you know, those I think those needs were also coming out of a different place. And now I'm like, if I get an assignment to write something just about like pure food, like write about this chef or this dish, it just feels like, ugh, okay, fine. Like I can do that in my, I mean, no, not to denigrate it, but it's, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. You know, good food writing is wonderful, but like, it's just not what I want to do anymore, you know? And so when I, when I get something you know, related to those things or like when someone's asking me kind of basic nutrition questions, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'll explain some kind of basic things to you or whatever, just totally non-related to disordered eating or anything, but it's not the kind of thing that like sparks my passion. You know, it's like, all right, this is something I know. And this is something that's part of my past, but it's not where my heart lies. And actually, recently I've been doing a lot of soul searching and I just came back from vacation at the beginning or at the end of last week. Um, and I, Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. We went to Hilton head, which is like this very, um, I mean, very protected sort of undeveloped Island. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's parts of it that are developed, but a lot of it was protected by the nature conservancy and there's just like marshland and beaches and it's just gorgeous. And I, Yeah. And I made the commitment because it was the first week long vacation I'd had in more than a year. And I committed to myself. I was going to unplug from technology except for like a few select things that I had to do. So I didn't check my private practice email at all. I like put an autoresponder. I had my assistant respond and that was it. 
Um, and I barely checked my main like personal email and I did a few tweets about food psych when the, when the podcast went up, but otherwise I was like out of commission, you know, out of, out of the loop and it was amazing and it felt very freeing. And then when I came back, I was like just bowled over by how much I had to do and by how many stimuli I was exposed to on a daily basis, you know, both living in New York and being a part of like the online world. And it just really helps me kind of put some things in perspective and think like, okay, where do I actually want to put my energy and what is drawing, like what's pulling my heart right now? And really what's pulling my heart is like, you know, my own stuff, like the podcast and my personal writing and, you know, maybe reporting on food and nutrition from a health at every size perspective and keeping that part of my journalism career up, but also personal writing, um, so I'm like starting to scale back on the things that don't align with that. And I think a large part of why I'm just not feeling those things anymore is because like that's not where, you know, I'm I'm not getting the juice from those anymore because I've kind of mastered them or something, mm-hmm. you know, like the health at every size stuff and body positivity stuff is maybe something more recent for me and something I still need to like, ma- I don't know if I'm grappling with it or if I just like recently experienced epiphanies related to it and I'm energized by that and I'm just like still close enough to it to care. Um, so, but it, it's something, you know, more, more present for me now. And I, I'm trying to figure out what that is too. Maybe because it needs more voices. Like maybe because mm-hmm. like health and nutrition don't need any more voices. Like we don't need any more health coaches. We don't yeah. need any more dietitians. We don't need any more like it's great and like good for everyone who's doing that. It's all part of their own path and it'll get them to where it Mm -hmm. gets them. But there's just that, that part of the, you know, green juice, health food movement, which I'm like very much a part of Mm -hmm. um, and have been in the past is like so saturated. And I feel like this other part is just really not saturated and we need so many voices in it to get it heard because yeah unfortunately or yeah unfortunately coming it needs to come through a lot of different frames for it to be listened to and linda bacon spoke about this um yeah to us but you know she says that like since she is a thin person Linda Bacon wrote Health at Every Size. She's mm-hmm. coming on my podcast and she was on Christy's podcast. Maybe she has already come on mine by the time this um, <laughs> goes up. But anyway, she was saying that like she has thin privilege, like she is a thin mm-hmm. person, but she is saying that like that gives her a certain amount of people able to listen to her that wouldn't be able to listen to her because of their societal um, mm-hmm. stuff, baggage that they have. So... Totally. Anyways, it's just, um, yeah, it's just, I think that maybe that's the reason why we're really passionate about this. And then at the same time, I think it's partly what, what I said too. My friend Simi said to me, like, people, I don't know if this is a quote or it's just she's really wise and she said this quote, but she was mm-hmm. like, when people are trying to convince themselves, they get louder. Mm. And, um, and that just like 
really hit me because I think I know a lot of people like that and <laughs> yeah. um, other things like in not in body image and health at every size, especially in like health and wellness. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's true. And in spirituality and in like every topic there is, the yeah. politics, you know. Totally. I think, um, I think that's a lot. There's like a lot to be said about that. But anyway, so. Oh, yeah. No, that's so interesting. And that that just made me think of something that now totally left my brain. Uh, I don't know why. I know. (laughs) I I, I did that earlier when you were talking. So I know that Pete Holmes, who's like our podcast guru, Mm -hmm. has like a piece of of, a like pad of paper. Oh, yes, a piece of paper. I have that too. And I've been like writing stuff down right now. And it's it's been helping me. So yes, that is so helpful. Just take notes while we're talking. I'm going to try to find a pen. My table is a disaster, but yes. Yeah, find a pen. This is what I was this is what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> so I was saying that when you went on vacation and unplugged like that, that's so amazing and great and wonderful and like good job. And <laughs> but I know that like when you get back, you can feel like so overwhelmed. Is that what yes. happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah. It was it was tough because I was like, shit, I hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> like I just felt such a visceral response and reaction to like, I mean, starting with really the airport, it was like everything leading up to, you know, even, even like the minute we got into the plane, just things went totally awry. We ended up having to like, it was supposed to be a direct flight that would take two hours and we left at 7 PM and we're supposed to get home at 9 PM. And then instead we ended up in Orlando and having to, cause the crew that was assigned- It was the other way. Oh, yeah. Right. And they had to go back. So the whole confused. the whole thing took like almost 12 hours. There's like massive delays. And I guess the uh, crew that was assigned to our plane like wasn't allowed to work more than nine hours. And they surpassed that while they were delayed. And so they had to like get a oh, new crew that hadn't worked too much that day. It was like such a shit show. So, you know, from that moment on, I was like, welcome back to reality, you know. Yeah. That's and like- just, ugh. Struggling to hold on to that Zen too, which is, you know, I've heard, I mean, speaking of Pete Holmes, I heard recently um, Elizabeth Gilbert talking on his podcast about like the idea of, you know, meditation retreats and, you know, ashrams and stuff where you go to like unplug and disconnect from society. But what the hell is the point of it if you can't take that feeling and that presence into like the messy, crazy modern world we live in? You know, you can't just, I mean, she didn't want to just, you know, she was saying she didn't want to just live on an ashram forever. It's like what she wanted to do something with that feeling. Yeah. And like, I say that all the time. Like I say that every week in my yoga class, like you can be all Zen in here but the real practice is out there on the street. Uh-huh. And when you get in the parking lot, when someone cuts you off and you're like trying to get to brunch, like, can you stay? Can you breathe then? Yeah. Because doing it on your mat is a practice for out there. And do like staying in an ashram all day is like easy. It's like when you mm-hmm. have to go to Orlando after on your way home from vacation, like that's the that's the real stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Oh. And. And that's and that's exciting that like that's why we are in these bodies like to like use them and experience things and totally and you know it was interesting actually I had such a an interesting moment with that experience because when we were so delayed on the plane like we had eaten a late lunch and we we're supposed to be you know flying from like seven to nine p.m. so we we're kind of like okay we'll bring a snack and just like eat dinner when we get home mm-hmm. well you know 
whatever, five or six hours of delay later, we were starving and they didn't actually do food service on the plane. They just had snack service because it was supposed to have been a short flight. So like I basically just made my dinner of random snacks. And that's something that like would have totally driven me crazy in my food issue days, you know, I would have, I would have obsessed over it. I would have probably, um, you know, tried to work it off when I got home or been too exhausted to work it off when I got home and then beat myself up by binging on more food at home. You know, like there's this like cascade of bad stuff that would have happened, but instead like I just like sucked it up and, you know, had my snacky dinner and it was actually kind of good. And then like we got home and just passed out, you know? Um, So it just felt like a real, you know, moment of showing the progress I had made. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I can relate to this so much. In the past year, I've, like, eased up so much and have had so many moments like that where it's, yeah, like eating, Mm. you know, two kind bars for dinner or, like, you know, Mm. and for breakfast or, like, (laughs) like stuff that I would have just, like, um, that's, like, a I hope that doesn't sound diety, but that, that was just like, it's not like, like a yeah, good, this is what I ha- happen to have around or whatever, mm-hmm. or like in a, in a pinch doing, eating things that I just never would have eaten before. Or like you said, you know, you're traveling and this and that and um, just so many different things like that, that I've done yeah. and I'm totally cool with it. And then the, the weird, here's the weird thing that happens. I'll be like in bed, you know, thinking about somehow I just like think about it or whatever. Or mm-hmm. well, here's the thing: I don't even think about it anymore. But what will happen is like every once in a while, I'll just real like I'll think about myself and how I've been eating and like what's been going on, and that my old I will think about my old what my old self would have thought. Yeah, and it'll just be like a quick moment of like I would have flipped out, and then because <laughs> I do that, I'm like there's like this brief moment of like not not even nostalgia really for like who I was then or the Mm -hmm. discipline I had that maybe a little bit for like the discipline I had then like wow I was so disciplined back then to like make my kale salad every week and do all Mm. this stuff and be so dogmatic and like wow what a what a disciplined girl that was you know Mm -hmm. but also a crazy freaking like messed (laughs) up like not fun to be around person and I remember that and it's fine but like there is this brief moment of not questioning wanting to like do that again but just from the perspective of that person being like oh, she would have found all kinds of things wrong with that snack dinner. You know, she would have judged the heck out of that. But I don't anymore. Wow, how far I've come. Really, I'm just like regurgitating exactly what you said. But um. (laughs) No, but it's such a beautiful moment. And I mean, really, like that same sentiment I've heard so many clients say too when they get to this place of like, it's enough in the rearview mirror that you can be like, you know – attuned to what that former self would have thought but like grateful that you're not there anymore yeah you know yeah it's I don't know it's crazy I think I it just makes you really grateful I think because yeah 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 it's cool and I think okay here's um oh my gosh I have so many different directions of things I know that I want to talk about <laughs> that I don't even know where to go but here's something that is coming to my mind right now is that that um that nostalgia of like not necessarily wanting to go back, but the fact of I was there 
And and I think I, I wrote about this in, in my my essay that that yes. I read from this week of like and I think I it was a lot longer like a way longer I'm very wordy and it, and like <laughs> cut it down a ton but oh I, no it's I, great though thank you but I don't know if this is in there or not I don't actually remember but mm. I wrote that like I had this feeling and and this is not like so far in the rearview mirror like this is like pretty recently but mm-hmm. I would struggle with the fact of like all these people that I know and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit too Christy but like a lot of people that I know or people who um who are never into like health and wellness or into like holistic living or into you know controlling their weight through food or mm-hmm. um any any like health stuff not even really you know doing it for the purposes of weight even but mm-hmm. it probably is if they really get honest with themselves you know and then all of a sudden like they're doing it now and I'm trying to get off this healthy train or at least take more stops into like not right. being so dogmatic about it where ev- it seems like everybody and Michelle Obama and Beyonce mm-hmm. and like Jay-Z are like vegan and getting onto this train that like I was ahead of the game on back yeah. then and now I've I've already like gone on that train and gotten off and mm-hmm. so there and now it's trendy and I'm like do being like the not trendy thing you know right and right so there, there's this moment of like I want to do what's right not what's popular but I also want to make what's right popular which is mm-hmm. I think like why we're having these conversations and why like you know there are more starting to be more voices in the like anti-diet movement you know and like yeah the, and that which is great and and a, that and that's what I was saying before there needs to be a diverse group of voices that you know yeah. like Linda Bacon's great but like she's not going to get to perhaps my generation as easily as like I can or mm-hmm. um, and that's why and, and also different body types like we were saying before right. like there needs to be different body shapes saying the same message um, there needs to be different generations there needs to be different genders like there needs to be so many different right. voices in this because it's like Mexican food everybody you know it's like different people like tacos people like nachos people like burritos but at the end of the day it's the same stuff but people like it in different <laughs> forms you know right so that's a really like, good metaphor yeah like so it's like they'll all get the same nutrition the the health at every size or whatever right. the beans and corn but some people are going to get it through you some people through me so but anyways yeah. what I struggle with is like that sense of wanting to be part of like the cool kids club with like wellnessy stuff, you know? And right. I, I think it might be a little bit different for you because you were kind of in like the foodie community and like into uh, like when you worked at Gourmet and stuff. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Talk to me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting like the because I feel like I was sort of part of like before I even worked at Gourmet, I worked at an um, environmental magazine called Plenty. And I did some freelance work for different places. And um, I, at the time, was still in my eating disorder and was going through. So it's so weird that this coincidence happened, but we're both writing personal essays for Refinery29 like a week apart. Mine's coming out next week or I mean obviously by the time this comes out who knows it'll probably be out. It's so funny um, too because I heard you talking about sorry to interrupt (laughs) you but on the last episode I heard you talking about that and I was like working on mine and (laughs) and you were talking about the comments and yes. now you're going to have Nate oh, read the comments for you. Yeah. And I was like, I might need to call you and Nate to read the comments for me. 
<laughs> I know, totally. Yeah, I would be happy to be your comment filter yeah. if you want. I feel like it's so... Well, I already read them, so it's so too late. Okay, okay. The, we can well, talk, we'll you talk know, about that later. <laughs> yes, definitely, we will. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I will have spoken or you know written about this on that column, but um, basically, I like became really obsessed with gluten before that was even a trend. Like, I, in some small way, I think helped start the gluten free yeah. trend, um, and because I was in my eating disorder and I was looking for solutions to my physical ailments that weren't just like, you need to eat more and you need to gain weight, which, you know, was like not really said to me enough by enough people, but certainly by my mom. She was kind of the one person who like really nailed it. Um, So I was like really pushing back against that and, you know, doing all this research and and gluten just started to feel like this like, um, you know, panacea was like, oh my gosh, of course I'm sensitive to gluten. That's why I'm, you know, don't have my period and I'm tired all the time and I'm always sad. And I have these like uncontrollable binges on wheat based foods and I'm constipated, you know, just like all these things that of course were, you know, in hindsight and with recovery, I can see were attributed to not eating enough and restricting and binging. But like, you know, in the moment it was, I was refusing to admit that I had an eating disorder. So, um, when I, you know, kind of like first got into journalism, I was doing more like nutrition and health and like that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, you know, as I recovered and I think as a big part of my recovery, I moved into like pure foodie writing. And when I took the job at Gourmet, I think it was a a huge step ahead because I was surrounded by people who had really good relationships to food. And I, I like ate with them and saw this, you know, really fun approach to food modeled all around me and saw that people weren't like just consistently gaining weight, you know, so that I knew I wouldn't either. Um, or, you know, took a while, but that was helpful reassurance to know that. Um, but so I don't know, my relationship to you is so weird because I feel like I was there like 10 years ago and then I went away from it when it wasn't even cool. Yeah. And I went away from it, you know, very hardcore kind of being like, okay, that's not healthy for me. That's not, you know, I can see, and you know, as the years go by, I can see more and more how detrimental it was to me to be so fixated on wellness and on, you know, specific like elimination diets and stuff like that. So seeing what a trend it is now is like, I almost feel, I don't know, I've, I guess I've always been sort of this way where I, if I like something and then it becomes cool, I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm the cool one. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I, so I actually think like we're the cool kids with this health at every size thing. That's what I like, you know, would respond when you say like, that's, it's like the wellness stuff is popular now, but popular is not cool. I don't think, you know, like this shit is cool. (laughs) Oh my God. That just like changed everything for me. (laughs) You're so right. Like when have I ever thought that the actual popular stuff was cool? Like never. It's no one. Yeah. Wow. Because like, I mean, we've talked about this before and I know you've, you've shared this on your podcast, but yeah, we've never been like mainstream cool girls. We were like kind of dorky and weird as kids. And I think to me anyway, that has stayed with me. Like that sense of being like a little bit of an outcast and outsider, like has, partially formed my identity. And now that I'm an adult, actually, I feel like now the culture, it's like, it's gotten so blurred what, you know, what was dorky and what's now cool. Because like, I think people of like my generation and, you know, like, I don't know the the 
whatever 35 year olds now are like a lot of the ones who are the the creatives in charge of making a bunch of content that people are consuming were like super dorky as kids like I was and all this stuff that was really dorky is now cool so it's like very confusing um but I feel like the people who are really into wellness and making that popular it's like that's a different thing you know Mm -hmm. so and I think the internet really allows people to like do what they do, you know, like there's some, there's a place for everybody. It's like a very inclusive thing, but it can also be very exclusive too. But I think you just have to decide like where you want to be and own it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I relate so much to what you said with the gluten thing about how you were like using that as, you know, it's like you want to have your cake and eat it too. It's like I want to be thin. I want to stay this thin, but I also want to have my period back and clear up my acne and like get exactly. to have better energy and like all of that stuff and like poop mm-hmm. regularly. <laughs> yes. And, um, and the, you should actually have her on Food Sex. She's great. But Stephanie mm. Rupert, do you know her? I've heard of her. I, she, is she the hormonal she wrote, balance? Yeah, she wrote this book called Sexy by Nature. And mm-hmm. she was like really hardcore in the paleo diet for a while and then just realized, oh, I have an eating disorder. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoopsies. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and so she, she says this too. Like she was trying to have her cake and eat it too. Like literally yeah. just – I want to stay this thin, but also clear up these things. And I started to do that too with the candida diet. Like I was just like, that's, that's everything. I can't have any sugar and this and that and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. and no fruit and everything's bad. And, um, and so dogmatic about that for so long. And then, um, you know, the, and I don't know if I told you this, but the thing that really helped me like completely get over my eating disorder is such a funny thing. And like, if I'm ever a comedian someday, like this would make a great, like funny bit mm-hmm. of like, I, I just did all these different to get over my eating disorder. I did all these different diets and what <laughs> I would do is like, I, so I was like really vegan and, um, hardcore about that. And then all of a sudden I was like, learned about the paleo diet and so I was like oh I'll be vegan but I'll take the parts I like about the paleo diet so I'll Mm -hmm. like you know eat lots of nut butters and whatever 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 and so I'll like take it so they're not that merch too and then I found but I wasn't like really eating carbs that was like the last thing I hadn't legalized through those two diets Mm -hmm. so then somehow I like learned about the like high carb low fat vegan so I was like I'll merge that with paleo and paleo is all about like high fat so then all of a sudden I was eating like lots of carbs lots of fat and I was like oh wait if I put all these diets together I'm (laughs) eating everything wow just like isn't that so goofy and like that's like is how I would do it but then but yeah it, it was really true I had to like because this is the thing like there's truth to every single diet when they say that you know, there are the foods that you can eat, like they'll mm-hmm. tell you why they're good, basically. And, right. every, you know, and there's something to tell you that every food is good and every food is bad. So what I when I just took all the 
parts that they said you could eat from every single diet, <laughs> eventually, like, I was mentally okay. I had, like, rationale behind legalizing everything. And, like, then I could intuitively eat. Isn't that goofy? That's so interesting. Yeah, that is totally goofy. It's like you came in through the back door of yeah. intuitive eating. <laughs> like, I did dieting so wrong that I was right. like, oh, I'm intuitively eating now. But also kind of interesting that, like, I mean, it almost seems like your intuition was secretly at work because yeah. – you know, like you were sort of figuring out reasons to justify why like it was okay to take a part of this diet and a part of that diet. Yeah. And like, you know, it certainly wasn't like a purest form of each of those diets. It was like you sort of had an intuitive sense of like, well, I should be eating this and I should be eating that. And then suddenly everything was acceptable and you were like, oh, right. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I like, you know, that's what I am on my soapbox preaching now to people whenever whenever they ask me like a food related diet related question I say that like I'm on the Katie diet now you know <laughs> like we should all like craft your own diet of like what works for you like you know what foods make you feel good and which ones make you feel bad and you might not know because you haven't been mm -hmm. doing that for a while so you have to figure that out but I think we should all really craft our own like what works for us and it's going to be different every day yeah and just like be aware of that and I think it's it's worth saying too that like when you're in an eating disorder or when you're actively trying to restrict yourself or change your body, like you're really out of touch with what actually makes you feel good and bad. So you probably won't know like, yeah. you know, because I, I mean in my own experience, like with the gluten thing, I was convinced like, oh, it makes me feel bad. I can tell. I mean I was yeah. never fully sure but I was like, I think I get more constipated when I eat gluten and I think I'm getting like gassier and like this and that. But it's so hard to be scientific on yourself no matter what and then especially when you're, you know, trying to have your cake and eat it too like yeah. you said. Like so. And I, I mean and, you know, take what you will with this. I believe that if you think it's going to make you feel sick, it's going to make you feel sick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I know. There's a huge placebo effect with food. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other way too, like if you think that eating, you're going to eat this and you're going to feel fine, like you will and you'll, mm -hmm. and you'll feel fine. And the more you just think about stuff in general, whether it's food or like a relationship thing or like a friend <laughs> thing or a work thing, like the worse it gets, I swear. Yeah. Like you have to just like stop stewing on things and you know I'm like trying to tell myself this all the time because I'm a like, yeah thinker and stewer and I'll just like think about things and think about things and think about oh things totally until they and, get worse in my mind right and sometimes like the way out is stopping thinking about them so yeah. much like you can't think your way into solving them it's the only way out mm -hmm. yeah. yeah see okay so this is this is just so much fun and um, I I was thinking about this like when you were talking about the, the plane ride and, and Pete Holmes, who we're going to just like keep name dropping like, until <laughs> All the time. he comes on our podcast because we're obsessed <laughs> with him. But he, he says this, that like doing the podcast is it, it's a t it's kind of like being on an airplane where you have to turn off your phone and just right. be really present with someone. And I we're over Skype right now, if people couldn't tell already. But um, it's it's like we're not like I for, I've been yeah. forgetting we're recording this entire time, to be honest with you. And but it is so nice because, you know, doing a podcast and actually pressing record, it kind of forces us to be really present with each other for, you know, however long we go where we're not yeah. checking our phones, where we're not doing other stuff. And I don't know. I just love podcasts and I'm just so 
grateful for podcasts and, and like it helped me to meet you. They, they just, yeah. I don't know. I text you all the time about the Pete Holmes podcast and about like, oh my God, because you really turned me on to that. Mm-hmm. And then I become obsessed like all <laughs> summer. I went back and listened to like, I still have more to go because there's so many, but um, I totally went through all the archives too when I first started listening. Oh my gosh. Like I can't stop. It's amazing. And it's It's just, amazing. It's, it's so cool because I'll, I'll sometimes be listening to someone who like I wasn't very thrilled about or like I didn't know. And mm-hmm. then I – even the beginning I was just kind of like, eh, I'm not really into it. And then there will just be like this gem of wisdom some somewhere in the like smack middle of like a three-hour mm-hmm. podcast that I'll just – and not even just with the Pete Holmes show, with, with any, any podcast that I happen to like have on. And I'm just like, oh – I was that this is why I turned this on to like get this one 10 second nugget of wisdom. And right. I don't know. They're just they're just so great. And I love recording them. I love listening to them. I'm just Me too. so grateful for them. They're just great. Yeah. I, I feel like it's such a unique medium because it's like you basically get to eavesdrop on other people's conversations. Yeah. And like there's this way that I mean, obviously, like you still know in the back of your mind that it's recording, but like there's a way that people just sort of forget Mm -hmm. and just speak more freely than they would like in a radio setting or on TV or video. And I think too, like even just not having to think about your appearance and how your body looks when you're doing it, like makes it so much more liberating. Yeah. I was actually, somebody had me on their podcast right before this Mm -hmm. and, um, she used this thing called Zoom. Anyways, it, oh you, yeah, you had to use that. Um, it's like the recorder that kind of sits on the table, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. What it, was. it was on video though, and I just and oh. I was like, oh okay, like huh. you're you're doing a video. Then she's like, no, it's a podcast. I just really like us to be able to see each other while we talk. Oh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um, and it is. It's interesting, and I think a lot of like the our favorite podcasts that we listen to, like Pete Holmes and Mark Maron. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of them do it in person. Right. So, and you used to do your show completely in person. I did. Yeah. Um, it's only been the last season that I've done a yeah. lot on Skype. But I mean, I still try when I'm, whenever possible. I always, anytime I'm emailing someone to come on the show, I'm like, if you happen to be in Brooklyn, yeah. like, come on over. Yeah. But because I do prefer it in person, I feel like there is that extra layer of connection that you get when you meet someone in person and and especially if it's someone you don't know. And I feel like actually the fact that we did ours in person and like you came to my house, like the first time we met, it just helped sort of cement the friendship in a way that maybe it wouldn't have if we had just done it over Skype, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about that today, actually. Like it's so, I mean, I guess you had done it like a bunch of times, but it is kind of Mm -hmm. funny that like I'd never met you. And then I just was like, yeah, I'm in New York. Yeah, I'm in your house. All of a sudden I was there. Hi. Like it was just so funny. And now we're like yeah. really close friends and like I consider you one of like my closest friends even though like I don't get to see you that often right but like that too. was how we met of just like I just knocked on the door and I was there <laughs> and like oh my gosh hi like I know it's, it's crazy thing and but I'm yeah. not even like I don't know I should I'm not online dating but I feel like mm-hmm. I've been online dating friends for a really long time oh, now yeah. and doing a great job with it because I've met like most of my best friends um in like the online world business mm-hmm. wise and then they, they've just become like best friends all through like my podcast or they listen to my podcast or I met them through their podcasts and mm-hmm. it's been amazing and then I've like and then I go visit them and they become my like real life friends and right. 
I'm so That's grateful awesome. for it. But there's always that moment of like when I'm meeting them for the first time. And you've had this with like a bunch of people too where mm-hmm. you see – you've like become friends with them online and you've emailed lots and you've texted and then you see them in person for the first time and it's like – hi oh my gosh like I know you so well but I've never met you in person and it's like that's Mm -hmm. what yeah it's crazy but um, it is kind of similar to online dating definitely yeah it is it's it's I don't know it's cool I'm grateful for it but totally I'm just yeah I'm really glad this platform exists so when you I think we made a might have talked about this before but I forget so I'm sure other people have forgotten. Mm-hmm. I want to know two things. I want to know what was the first podcast you ever listened to and if you remember like finding podcasts and like who introduced you to podcasts, mm. all of that. And then I want to know like when you were like I think I'll start Food Psych and take us through all of that cuz I'm curious. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually was thinking about this recently cuz I just launched a, like a premium membership and yes. I was writing oh, I a little page for that. it. We'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. Um I was writing a little history of, of Food Psych for that, but so uh, it kind of so I you know podcasting has kind of come in waves. I feel like the first wave of it was like around 2005 or oh something. Oh my gosh, that's so really long ago. early. Yeah. And it was, I remember at the time it was like a lot of big media outlets were doing podcasts. I think the New York Times was doing one and PR had like done a few, I think. So that was long before uh, iPhone. So this is just on the computer? Yeah, it was on the computer. It was actually on the computer and I think on iPods. I think you could get them on your iPod because I remember like something about that, but you had to download them. So it was like an MP3 download that you would like could put on your iPod. Um, so I listened to a few of them at that time. I listened there like Slate, I think had a couple. Wow, I can't you even are remember. Such an like, early adopter. I was, although it's interesting because I, I was like an early adopter. I kind of checked it out and then I was like, meh, like I just didn't really, really connect with anything much. Well, it uh, seems you know. like kind of a hassle to like, when you put something on your, right. like, I don't even really remember an iPod that much, but like, mm. I remember you had to like plug it in and download mm-hmm. and it's like so Took if it's, forever. yeah so if it's like music it's like oh I know I like that whatever like I'll put that right. on there but like when it's something that you might you're it's not like you're gonna repeat listen to podcasts really right so to like take up that time and the space you mm-hmm. know anyways so yeah exactly I guess yeah maybe that's why or part of why I was just kind of like okay I'm not gonna do this anymore yeah, definitely <laughs> not as like easy too much of a hassle yeah yeah um, so then, you know, and, and also I think at the time, I mean, maybe it was out there. I do know that there were a few podcasts going, like there's this one called Keith and the Girl that started in like 2004, 2003, I think. That's super fun. And like, it's a, com- a comedy podcast. It's, it's become so, it's so long running now that they have this whole like world of, of the podcast that I feel like a little excluded by. So I kind of stopped listening to it because I feel like it's very like inside baseball for their yeah podcast world. Um, but it, it's like amazing and so well produced and the, the people are so funny and they're comedians who produce it. Um, so it was kind of like the first ever comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, I don't think I discovered that until like my next round of dabbling and listening to podcasts, but I came back to it in like maybe 2011 or 2012 when um, an ex-boyfriend of mine discovered Mark Marin and he discovered um, Comedy Bang Bang and like a few other comedy podcasts and, you know, introduced me to them and I was like obsessed. So 
Mark Maron, Mark Maron and Comedy Bang Bang were kind of the two first ones that I downloaded and, you know, kept coming back to. And Mark Maron in particular, I think just really resonated with me because at the time I was like in like the final stages of my recovery, like I had stopped really using any behaviors and I, but I was still like, didn't like my body and had a lot of shame just about like everything, <laughs> you know, I feel like I hadn't really explored, like I didn't even have a concept of the fact that I was ashamed of certain things about myself. It was just like shame was this like wash, like this like, you know, water that I swam in all the time. And so I feel like listening to Mark Maron actually wow, kind of- you said that so beautifully. Thanks. Yeah, it was, I, it just was so like, no, I had never really considered it. And I was in therapy. I'd been in therapy for years, but like my, I don't think my therapist had ever like, you know, used particularly that word or if it had like just not resonated with me at the time or whatever, I don't know. But it was sort of like, I just was, you know, stewing in this stuff all the time about like self-loathing, but not really seeing it for what it was. And so when I heard Mark Maron's podcast, he is like, you know, such a master of like, um, self-reflection and, you know, uh, just like, you know, presence of mind about his own shame and his own weird habits and, you know, self-aware and super, yeah, with what he shares. Yeah. Very vulnerable. And like, you know, it's, it can go either way. Cause sometimes it's like so vulnerable that, you know, I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to be that open, you know, Mm -hmm. but it helped me so much. It was so healing to hear him share all this stuff about his shame and his recovery from alcoholism and drug abuse. And, you know, I think his being in the 12 step movement kind of like also gave him that language maybe, or helped shape like how he talked about those things. And so suddenly I was like, Oh, so interesting. Like he has gone through a lot of the same stuff emotionally that I have, you know, even if it was about different things, his was about drug abuse and, you know, uh, alcoholism, mine was about food and codependency, but like it was very similar kind of emotions that he was describing. So, it, and then like his guests too, like a lot of, you know, he's such a good interviewer and he's able to draw guests out like in this way that, you know, they will share that stuff about themselves and be really vulnerable too. So I just started hearing all these different people like sharing these very vulnerable things about themselves and talking about what they were ashamed of or, you know, the choices they'd made in their past that they, moved past or regretted or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Like there isn't something dreadfully, horribly wrong with me. And it was so bizarre that it took that to get that through to me because, you know, my therapist had been basically telling me that for years. Other people had told me that in various ways, but like, I just, I don't think I really connected with it until I did my own research, I guess, because it was really like research, just like listening to all these different people share these things about themselves. And maybe I reached a critical mass where I was like, okay, if this many people express these kinds of feelings, I'm not not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that exactly 100% mirrors like my obsession with the Pete Holmes podcast. Mm -hmm. And like, it's the exact same thing. Like, I feel like I'm learning about myself and about my relationship with food and sex and like (laughs) career and all of these things through listening to other people's experiences with them, you know, from a lot from podcasts and, you know, just like growing up because I think I'm in this, you know, your 20s is like the second adolescence, like, Mm -hmm. you know, no one tells you about and you're just trying to like navigate through it and, and like it's like a time of identity and I think like Mm -hmm. hearing about other people like figuring out who they are really helps you 
And yeah, I just, okay. So I love that. Yeah. So then, so you're listening to the Mark Maron podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. So then when, and where are you? And you're, you said you were like at kind of the end of your recovery. So you're mm-hmm. in school right now. Right, exactly. I was in school and then I started working for the city department of health doing like a nutrition policy job, um, which involved a lot of like desk work and a lot of, you know, spreadsheets and numbers and like analyzing menus and making recommendations. And so, yeah, there was a lot of like just number crunching, which interestingly didn't really trigger me at the time, but it's funny to look back on that and be like, wow, you know, that, that is something that like five years before would have been so triggering. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I was doing a lot of the stuff that was very like mathy and the part of my brain that wanted some like emotional connection was feeling very starved. So I was just like, and also we worked in this crazy office where it was like just this massive, uh, open space with cubicles, but you didn't even have like the cubicle came up to like your shoulder. So you could like really see everybody and like hear conversations. And it was very distracting to me. So I just listened to podcasts. It was totally like a newsroom. Yeah. So I'd listen to podcasts all day long just to like drown out the noise and help me concentrate. Um, And so I just, you know, I was like listening to a lot of Mark Maron. That's around when I discovered Pete Holmes too. Like um, an improv teacher actually turned me on to him because she was like, you know, he listening to him is like a really great way to just understand how to talk about comedy and how to like be a person, you know, she was like so, so into that podcast and it really helped me. Um, you know, I, I connected with it right away too. Um, so, you know, that also kind of continued this thing of like vulnerability and being okay with, with, you know, things that I had thought were shameful before. Um, so I was listening to those, I was listening to like Keith and the girl I started, started getting into then, um, still like comedy bang, bang. What else did I listen to? Um, I didn't get into professor Blastoff until later, but I, that was like another, influential one to me, um, a little later on, my therapist actually turned me on to that. Um, and then like Slate's podcast, the double X gab fest, I really loved. Um, so it's kind of like really steeped in comedy pod. Oh, the Nerdist also really good one. Um, so yeah, I was like listening to podcasts all day long. entering Nerdist.com. Ah, yes. Oh my God. (laughs) And yeah. And Pete Holmes, I think is on the Nerdist now too. You made it weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, so good. I always sit, like sing in my head the theme songs. Like I like when I think of you, I'm just like easy, little gums bleeding, crown to the evening. And like I like I have everybody's jingles like in my mind. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. I love that. And then like you're so cute with it too, Christy. Like sometimes at the end you're like love that song like it's so cute whenever you say that I'm just like oh I love her <laughs> it's like my favorite thing thank you yeah I've gone through like moments with that song where I'm like this is the best and then sometimes people will be like I hate that song like I think I have a couple iTunes reviews where they're like lose the song really <laughs> yeah oh, never I'm like never. screw you but then you know I was like maybe I should should I change the song but no, it's so never. it's so a part of the fabric of my Speaking podcast Speaking as your biggest fan I won't allow it. Thank you. I no, appreciate so that good. that reinforcement. Uh, so, yeah. okay, so you're listening to all these podcasts. You're working this desk job. You're starved for connection. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, I think I'll start a podcast about food and psychology. Yeah, because I was, I was like 
you know, working in this in this policy job, and there I wasn't doing any individual nutrition counseling, and I I just think I missed you know I missed out on that sort of one on one like talking to people. And I was actually in the process of getting my license, my my registered dietitian's license, to be able to do the one on one counseling, and I knew that like that was down the road. I wanted to be doing that, so I I guess I like. I don't know. It wasn't really a career move necessarily. It was just kind of like a creative move and something I wanted to do. But looking back on it, I feel like it set the stage so nicely for that next phase of like going into working more one-on-one with clients and like, you know, the sort of next step of my career, like specializing in eating disorders. So, um, but yeah, yeah, at the time I was just like creatively, I was like, I was starved for like human connection and creativity. Cause I feel Mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, the people I worked with are great. I didn't, lack for human connection in that way. But I feel like there wasn't like that deep sense of like, you know, there's something so deep about podcasts. I mean, people talk about the most like shameful or deep or, you know, profound experiences they've had. And like, so that, that was really resonating with me and comedy and creativity. And, you know, I wasn't doing as much journalism at the time. I did, had a couple freelance gigs, but I wasn't like writing very frequently. So I think that, like the creative energy was something that was missing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. That uh, that was just, you know, light bulb moment. I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Think I want it to be something about like people's relationships to food and like how what food means to us, how food connects people. You know, like I had this sense that like that was the thing that was missing for me in my job and in my life at the time. And that's what I wanted to do with the podcast. So I literally like – made a bunch of index cards with different words relating to food and like relationship to food and psychology or whatever. And I just like made all these index cards and like picked one up and picked another up and put them together. I was, you know, doing that for a while until I was like, food, psych, food, psych, boom, (laughs) that's it. And uh, that's, that's how I got the name. And then, then from there, it was pretty easy, like to make it happen. I felt like I knew a lot of people already who I could talk to. And, you know, there was definitely a learning curve on the technology, but I spent like maybe six months recording episodes, getting ready, getting like a big backlog. Um, so I could launch with a little more comfort of like knowing I had stuff in the can. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, when I was recording those episodes, it was like from like April to April of 2013, it was like April to like to August, basically. And it's funny because I didn't know about yours until way later. No. I I was thinking about how I I connected with you because of Heather Rampola. We were on her show. Yeah. And I was like going to be on hers and I listened to the week of the person before me and I was like, I just need to see what like she's like, whatever. I was like, who is this person? And then I listened to you and I was like, oh my God, she's so cool. And then I listened to all of yours. And And then I was coming to New York like, that net like soon after that so it's so funny how everything lined up like yeah it was yeah I just that timing is so interesting yeah but yes I know so yeah so I just kind of like you know I it's interesting when I'm thinking back on it now because I'm in the process of putting those early archives like behind a paywall because I just I it's like I don't know if it's shame in a bad way or wanting to have boundaries. So I've been kind of struggling. I feel the same way. Yeah. 
And boundaries. I've been thinking so much about boundaries lately. They've been coming up like in my private practice work with clients. They've been coming up with a podcast. They're just like everywhere. So like, like, yeah, like your personal stuff to share, you mean? Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I think the the sort of um, the work that I do like one on one with clients, especially if it's people who are in like a severe eating disorder, Mm -hmm can be helped or hindered by what I've shared before. And it's so like, oh, yeah. and you did share a ton t- about yourself. I and did. I was that. so open. Yeah. And I felt like the openness of other people on podcasts, especially comedy podcasts, like comedians have no filter, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how they're wired, or how they're encouraged to be in their profession. So I was like, that was the influence I was coming out of was this like crazy openness. And I loved that though. Like I yeah. think I, I, I don't know. I don't want you to, I mean, I know they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be mm-hmm. paid, but I, I love that in comedy podcasts. Obviously you yeah. did and that you were, I see, this is what I think we do with, until we kind of find our own way is we just emulate other people. Well, mm-hmm. they talk about that a ton and Pete Holmes talks about that a ton in comedy, like how he could right listen to that one guy anymore because he was like using his line or he would like be like him and and I went through a phase with that with like a lot of different people and so I think that's kind of probably partly what what happened you were kind of emulating some of the comedy podcasts that you loved but I don't know I I love to know like I'm nosy I guess I like to I think we all are as (laughs) humans like we all like to know like the intimate details about people's lives and I know I know and it's it's like such a double-edged sword. So I've been trying to figure out and, and with this, like writing this personal essay too because it was my first like real personal essay um, that wasn't, you know, just like for my own purposes or for a school application or something like that because I've yeah. always just reported and maybe thrown in an aside about myself now and then. But like real first-person stuff is not something I've done a lot of. So – this was like, you know, thinking about the boundaries there too. Like how much of my story do I want to share? What what could be potentially triggering to people? I'm always thinking now about like what's going to be triggering or what could, you know, putting myself kind of back in the mind of someone who's really sick. Like what are they going to like attach to and use for evil instead of good, you know? Yeah. And it sucks to have to think that way. And I, I do kind of miss the openness of the original episodes. But I don't – it's – I'm trying to come to a new – sort of level of boundaries. And I've been thinking about it like um, selectively permeable membranes, which are like, (laughs) you know, every cell in your body has like a selectively permeable membrane where it lets in certain things and keeps out others. And I feel like that's kind of a good metaphor for like how I have to be in my career maybe and how I need, you know, how I want to be as a human as well. It's like have the boundaries I need to protect myself because it it can be also very like – emotionally draining and taxing to be too open. I've found mm-hmm. that like the more I give it, you know, sometimes I want to, and I just don't even think twice about it. And I just like give a lot and I'm super open, but then I feel like completely depleted by it. Or, you know, in rare cases, like someone will use that like to manipulate me, you know? And it, it's like, Oh, I hate that. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't like how I feel after I've let that happen. So um, I've just tried to be a little more aware recently of like how I present myself in the podcast without like, you know, making things less like I don't want to make anything stilted or be less 
um, conversational or less open, but just, I guess, less open about like the gory details maybe. Well, and maybe just, I mean, what I'm noticing in your podcast, having listened to all the archives and then Mm -hmm. going, being with it all of this season and now and being your fangirl and all, um, (laughs) I think that what you're doing now is you're making it more about the guest and their Mm -hmm. vulnerability and their um, story. But you're still interjecting and agreeing and sharing bits of yourself within that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what you were doing before, but I think it was even more um, about you because I think your mm-hmm. guests maybe didn't, maybe not didn't have things to share, but like you were almost um, like coaching and relating to them, whereas now you're just like mm-hmm. listening and and then, you know, relating or not, you know, or right. reacting, you know. So it's just different. That's interesting. And, and I feel the same way. Like when I started my podcast, it was – and it is now still. It's not like really, you know, a business or anything. But mm-hmm. um, but it's just like a creative thing and it's just a, a way to like express myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And But I feel the exact same way about the archives now. Like <laughs> I, was, I was having someone um, – on the podcast, you know how you like when someone's going to come on, you send them like here's the link to mm-hmm. listen if you want to, whatever. And I was like, God, please don't listen to any of the old ones because mm-hmm. the my old ones are, um, you know, I thought I was like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread when I was doing them. Uh-huh. But I, I was still really freaking disordered, you know. Right. And I was like asking that I would have all these health coaches on and ask them questions like, well, what do you, do you do that before you eat breakfast or after you eat breakfast? And then what do you eat later? And then what do you, and like all these questions that now if anyone asks me anything about like what I eat or what, like, I'm just like, oh, please. Yeah. You know, and I just like divert. And I was that person, you know, like I was literally that person on the air and people loved it because they were Mm -hmm. equally as disordered as I was. Right. Right. I think it's, oh good. You asked the question that I was wondering, how many Chia seeds does she eat? Hard hitting (laughs) journal. you know (laughs) right like it's just crazy so I like cringe looking back on that but I'm really glad that like those also equally as crazy around food people with me back Mm -hmm. then have now gone on this journey with me and hopefully are hopefully are becoming more sane as I do and having like the conversation we're having now two years ago three like three years ago now Mm -hmm. um the me of then would have been like oh my gosh, can't she just ask Christy about nutrition? Like, what are they talking about comedy for? And I would have, it's so funny, even like the podcast that I've like listened to in my life Mm -hmm. really go to show like where I was. Because at first, the first couple of podcasts I listened to were all about like health and wellness Mm -hmm. and like superfoods and all totally that. And then it was all about spirituality and it was like so much about spirituality and personal development and personal growth because I just transferred addictions, you know? Right. And then it was all about business and like online marketing and I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and entrepreneurship Mm. and it was like all about that. And then now it's like comedy. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm either like about to be a comedian or I'm just completely eased up and I'm just about having fun and listening to like whatever I feel like listening to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what what podcast I'm listening to really goes to show like how healed I am or like what I'm into. (laughs) That's really interesting. It's funny because I feel like I've had like the opposite trajectory almost. Like when I was first listening to podcasts, I didn't want anything that was like – 
health related or nutrition related or, you know, whatever. It was like just all comedy all the time, basically. And a few, you know, a little bit of politics and a little bit of like feminism sprinkled in. And then now I've actually started listening to like, I mean, I listen to yours. I listen to Kyla Prince, which, you know, you guys both also kind of have gone on the same journey with me. We're all like moving towards, you know, health at every size and recovery yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I resisted listening to like other podcasts in the same space for a while, A, because I didn't really want to be influenced and B, because I was like, I have enough of this in my life, you know. But now I feel like I'm curious and I'm interested and maybe I have enough boundaries to not be influenced or something. So, you know, now I'm listening to that and I'm listening to like you turn me on actually to the Wellpreneur podcast with Amanda Cook. And I I love her. I feel like she's like she's actually the vocal doppelganger of someone on the Slate Double X Gab Fest who I love. Really? Malone. Yeah. Vocal so, doppelganger. She's totally the vocal doppelganger. It's very weird. Every time I hear her, I'm like, is this Noreen? That's so funny. It's really I always hate that. Like when I was like a, a kid and I would call like landlines and they're vocal oh, doppelgangers yeah. and you're like, is this your mom or you? <laughs> like, you know? That's true because it like runs in families. Everybody says my mom and my sister and I sound alike too. Yeah. It's funny. But yeah, so, you know, now I'm like opening up to these other podcasts and granted I would never listen to like a paleo podcast or a, you know, maybe a more traditional wellness kind of podcast, but like these, you know, wellness oriented, health oriented podcasts in a similar space to me are super fascinating now. So, and in addition to Pete Holmes and Mark Maron and all the other good stuff, but. Yeah, I feel like I can kind of the having the name of my podcast, and I talked to you to you about this before, like mm-hmm. with that mini series that I'm doing, Katie Wonders. Like I, I kind of want to drop the wellness and the yeah, and just be wonder radio, you know. Like, but I also like this is the podcast that I have, and there's a lot of people listening mm-hmm. to it, and so whatever. And I'm so I'm, you know I'm obviously gonna like keep this you know, as my umbrella. And it it does work because I think that wellness isn't just, it obviously, I say this all the time, but it's not just about the food or movement or anything. It's about your relationships and your happiness and whatever. Yeah, it's a much more holistic. Yeah, and so like it works as a, it works as an umbrella for all of those things. But Mm -hmm. I do think since I have the word word wellness right in the name there, it attracts Mm -hmm. a lot of people thinking that it's going to be, you know, chia seeds and kale all day. And it's not. And I trick them and then now they're <laughs> listening you know yeah so don't stop listening if you can't see <laughs> seeds in the kale keep listening i know the gig is up <laughs> yeah exactly uh, so, that's funny i don't know but yeah, yeah i've i've thought a lot about that too of like who's coming on this journey with us you know like who did i get a whole new base of listeners when i switched gears or did some of the same listeners like stick around and are kind of moving through this transition together you know I definitely know some people who've stuck around and who seem to be benefiting from it (laughs) from it yeah exactly um but you know who knows you know who else has come and gone or whatever but um but it's like I feel like I I don't know this goes back to this is actually what I was trying to say before and forgot but I feel like there's this like social justice element to health at every size and body positivity that is so compelling and feels so authentic to me and like just kind of I don't know. It feels like activism. this This is a movement. Yeah, exactly. It feels like activism. It feels like this is a movement that like I have to be a part of and I'm, I have like this – not an obligation in, in a sort of um, compulsory sense but just like a, a – you know, an internal obligation. Like I'm, I'm drawn to it, you know, that um, this is something that I want to like spread the word about and I think – 
it's a social justice issue because, you know, people like large people have been discriminated, discriminated against, against, uh, shamed, made to feel terrible about themselves like every day for their entire lives sometimes, you know, and this, the, the sense of like being ashamed and being, and feeling wrong and having people either tell you you're wrong or telling yourself that you're wrong in some way feels so resonant with me because I, I've been there too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. It's all coming together. You know how you were saying that we have connected on this, how we felt like we're like not the cool girls, but we're now mm-hmm. we're, you know, like we're the cool girls because we've decided to be, you know, <laughs> right. it's that in the sense of we want we know what that's like to like feel excluded. Like I was always the kid like, oh, am I invited to the birthday party? Am I not like that kind of thing? And I think we want people to feel included and and this whole activism thing really resonates with us because, mm-hmm. like, okay, for me growing up, my mom um, and lots of my family members have always been heavy, right? And I feel like it's my – I just want to – not necessarily, like, my duty, but I just – I don't know. I just really feel so fired up about fat politics, and I feel mm-hmm. so wanting to, like, be on board with that. And, of course, my – journey with everything I've been through connects with that and mm-hmm. there's so, there's so much like internalized fat phobia that like I've had to deal with and, and move through and am moving mm-hmm. through and I think that is something that I'm obviously passionate about and and want to continue talking about um but okay this is about to get like real weird this we can just call this like you <laughs> made it, it wellness wonderland weird but Woo-hoo. i had a i don't know if you listened to this one but a couple this many episodes ago mm-hmm. i had on an astrologer um danielle page i saw that i didn't have a chance to listen so yeah it's really old well anyways she's great <laughs> she's like so cool and she did my mm-hmm. chart um for me before the episode so i would like be able to ask your questions and mm-hmm. um, whatever, understand. And it was it was really cool because she really like links your astrology chart together in a um, story about like what it all mm. means, you know, which is great because if you don't understand it and she just tells you like the planets and whatever, you'll just be like, what does this even mean? So it was mm-hmm. it was really helpful and I, I really enjoyed it. And one thing that, that she told me and, and I, you know, I think astrology is cool and fascinating and I'm just like into that stuff. So like mm-hmm. take what you will and, and leave the rest. And it's not really about like, oh, I'm a victim of the planets. It's about kind of mm-hmm. like a personality test. Like it's not like, well, I'm an introvert so I can never leave the home. It's like, well, just <laughs> Like, it's right. about knowing yourself, whatever. So anyway, so she said this thing. She was like, you have the exact same – and this was like a year and a half ago. She was like, you have the exact same chart as Martin Luther King and um, – who was it? And Gandhi, I think. Ooh. And um, and I think Mother Teresa or something. Like, you have the mm. same – like, something in your planet. She's like, these are all people who, like, start movements and mm. um, are people who, like, are rebels and, like – something else she definitely used the word rebel definitely said like starting a movement and something like something like that and so at the time I was just like oh that's funny like cool (laughs) and and then I was kind of like oh maybe it's about like spreading like green smoothies for all or something you know because at the time I like was not even 
into where I am now with it. And then like it was just kind of in the back of my mind though. And then I got more into like health at every size and um, all the stigma around fat politics. And I was just like, wait, no, this is what I meant to share and do. Mm. And I felt like a lot of purpose around it. And I was just like, and at the same time, it's really weird, though, because I also felt like it was the thing I didn't want to share. I was like, oh, mm. is this what I have to be the face of? And this is what <laughs> I have to like, this is what I'm going to share about. Like, I felt so like this like duty of like, because I hadn't like shared about my eating disorder yet. And I hadn't even mm. like come out of the closet on any of that yet. So it was like when I first like when I wrote like my first blog post about that and shared that for the first time, it was this mm-hmm. feeling of like, Oh, I've got to do that, but I don't want uh, to. And um and yeah, but I did it and I've been like sharing about my feelings and all of my like emo- emoting like online mm-hmm. about it ever since basically. <laughs> and it's like served me well pretty much, you know? I right. think it like it helps a lot of people not feel alone and I think like if I you know, when I was in that saw someone else talk about their experience w- with it and getting to somewhat of the other side but there is no other side but at least like Mm -hmm. moving a little bit forward in it and still being the same person still being okay still being and Isabel's talked about this before too she's like we you know we only want to be thin because of what we think thin means Mm -hmm. and if we can make people feel like they are able to do all of these amazing amazing things regardless of size you can you know have a great relationship or be an internet celebrity or be really mm-hmm. happy with your life regardless of your size you know if I can like be an example for that and yeah. show that like even when I was at that weight and recovering from that weight and whatever through it all I'm the same person and I'm still like able to share and be authentic and be myself because that's what I was afraid that I would lose when I gained the weight and I talked about that in the essay it was like not being confident enough to be myself because I felt like I couldn't do that unless I looked a certain way and Mm -hmm. I think being myself regardless of how I look and regardless of where I am I think is if I can see more people doing that it's just like going back to like listening to the podcast when we see other people emoting and being themselves it makes you feel like you can do it too you know yes totally yeah I love that so much. I think it's like it's such a helpful and healing step to be able to own that stuff and to be like, you know, even if you're not like 100% comfortable in your body, just doing it anyway and showing the world that you can and showing yourself that you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting too. I've I've talked with a number of clients about this, like clients who've, you know, been at a unhealthily low weight and climbed back to a place where they were able to to stay and, you know, biologically appropriate weight. And like, you know, the behaviors of restricting their food or whatever were sort of on the way out, but the mindset was still really mm-hmm. fixated and really disordered, you know? And I yeah. think it's like the, the last thing to go. It's the last thing to go, especially for body image. You know, it's like uh-huh. people can be doing the right stuff, uh, you know, to nourish their bodies, but if they don't feel it's it's such a it's so frustrating that the body image stuff doesn't come first before all the other recovery because if it came first it would be like oh yeah I can see how like my body's fine and I just need to take care of it and I need to be healthy <laughs> like yeah. you know it doesn't 
doesn't quite work that way. But um, well, I think the body image stuff is ongoing too because your body mm-hmm. is always changing, and especially during recovery. Like I would yeah. every time I thought I mastered the body image stuff, I would gain more weight, mm-hmm. and my clothes would stop fitting, and I would have to be like, "Damn it, I just like yeah. that old one, and now I've got to do this again." You know? I know. And it's so brave that you could keep going through that too. I think like just like being open about that and showing people that that is part of recovery is so healing too because I definitely know clients who've, you know, gotten to one point where they're like, okay, I guess I can kind of accept my body here. And then they gain more weight and they're like, ah, fuck it all, you know, and they go back. Well, I think that's what I've done and that's confused my body and my metabolism so much that I'm finally – committing and I think I talked to you about this like in an email after one of your episodes Mm -hmm. that like really hit me but I I would do this thing where like I would constantly and I and I'll just I've never said this on the podcast but I still haven't Mm -hmm. gotten my period back and Mm -hmm. I would like go so hard with like you know, really doing well with not dieting and do great with it and intuitive eating and like really just like not thinking about food, not thinking about my body, doing great mm-hmm. for a couple of months. And then I would gain the weight and none of my clothes would fit me. And I would be like, I'm going to try to be okay with it. But then just like you said, I would be like, I'd get scared and I'd go back mm-hmm. to dieting. And then right. I would just like do it again. And I, cause I'm really good at the discipline and the dieting comes very mm-hmm. naturally to me. And so then I would do it. And so I think my body's just so confused. Like, is it a famine? Is it not? Like, is she going to starve us again? Or like, what's going right, on? You know? Right. And so I think it's just going to take a lot of time to just prove like, no, like I'm cool. Like it's, I'm going to stay on this path. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, Definitely. like I was going to ask you about this actually, because I, the big one for me that I'm really proud of now is exercise because mm-hmm. I, this summer did this thing where I just complete to get my period back, like completely stopped exercising completely. Mm. Like I didn't do yoga. I didn't like I hardly like I just really was like sedentary mm-hmm. and um, except like walking a little bit. And that was that was like really trippy for my mind to like be OK with. But I did yeah. it. And then now I'm like exercising again in this like totally new way. And it's just like I'm not exercising for my body at all. I'm completely – and I know that like I would hear people say that all the time. Like I'm doing it for my mind. And I'd be like, F you. Like nice right. ass. You know, like you're like – your arms are like so toned. And like like mm-hmm. I just – I didn't buy it. And I don't – I'm like not, you know, like crazy exercising at all. Mm-hmm. But like I'm – doing exercise in the morning when I have a lot of like shit to do because it really does like make me it like gets me up and moving and then I can like get my stuff done for the day and it like Mm -hmm. gives me the clear and like I never got that before because exercise was always about something I had to do to make me feel better about my body you Mm -hmm. know and um and like okay so there's this line I wrote this down to ask you what you thought of this there's this Mm -hmm. line in Marianne Williamson's book um A Return to Love and she says when I exercise, I actually think about my body less than when I don't. When I exercise, I stop thinking it, – it's, it's, preface this. It's not a body positive book, but um, um, this part of it at least. But then she says, when I don't exercise, I can't stop thinking about my waist and thighs. We take care of a, our body as a way to take care of the spirit. So, I mean, that is not mm-hmm. a very like body positive statement. Mm-mm. But I do, I do feel that like when you are – exercising you can feel good mentally and then that does make you feel better about your body because you know you like did something good for your body you know Mm -hmm. what I mean 
Yeah, you can sort of lay down some of the anxiety about your body because it's like, I mean, also physiologically, it helps release anxiety. So maybe, you know, if you've been, if your select, like your your selected thing to stew about when you're anxious is your body, you know, reducing anxiety at the physiological level helps. Yeah. Whatever, you know, no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's interesting this relationship to exercise. That that also. I mean, for me and some people I know, I think that's one of the last things to change too, because food sometimes can be like such a bigger, more obvious issue. But I mean, it's, I don't know anyone who's grown up in our society not thinking about exercise as a way to manipulate their body. Like that, I mean, even before food became that, like to me, even before I knew about diets or had the concept that like you could manipulate your food to change your body in some way, I had the concept that like, you know, if you do push-ups, you'll get big arm muscles or if you do, you know, if you do this, you'll get that. Like it was like, it's so ingrained the sense of like exercise changing your body that I feel like it's, it's really hard to start to relate to it differently. And I found that for myself, like I definitely am in a place now where I'll do it for its own sake. Like, oh, I haven't moved today. I mean, today is a good example. I actually have not left my apartment. Like today has been a writing day. And on writing days, sometimes I just get really caught up and I don't leave the apartment. Um, but I knew that – Story of my life like all winter. Yeah, friend. yeah. It also <laughs> feels kind of nice to be cozy when it's cold out, which yeah. it is here right now too. So, um, But I was like, I know I'm going to do a podcast and – um, like I have to, I want to like open up my voice a little bit so I don't strain myself and like, I want to just relax and sort of clear away the day. So I'm going to do some yoga. And I feel like I was like coming to my mat for like very wonderful, pure reasons, you know? Yeah. But then even while I was practicing, like I hadn't practiced in a f- like maybe a couple weeks cause I was on vacation and just doing other things. And, um, so it's the first kind of real yoga practice I've had in, in a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, wow, I feel like weaker than usual. And like for a second, my mind was like, you know, what do my arms look like or whatever? And then I'm like, no, you know what? I don't care. I do feel a little less strong than usual because I haven't practiced regularly, but that's not a big deal. Like just, you know, come back to it. But, you know, those little flashes still come in and out sometimes where I'm like exercising and then I'm like, oh, what? Okay. That's thank you for sharing, like moving on. See, you sharing that, it's probably one of like what we were talking about before with your boundary things. But Mm -hmm. like, it's so good for me to hear that, you know? So that's why I feel like, I don't know, like I get what you're saying about the boundary thing, especially with your clients. Like that's complicated Mm -hmm. and I don't have the answer. But as like a connoisseur of your work and some like someone from your audience, like I'm your little focus group right now. Mm It, it really is helpful to hear someone like I respect and admire has a moment like that, you know, because I have them all the time and I shift out of them a lot quicker than I used to, but mm-hmm. they still happen, you know, and I think just yeah. knowing that, that, that we're not alone in that helps people so much and yeah. having conversations like this, you know? Totally. I agree. I mean, and I think too, this is the kind of thing that I'm like, with the boundaries, like comfortable sharing to a certain extent, you know, like, I mean, cause I feel like, I think if I had shared something like that a year ago, 
I would have felt vulnerable being like, oh, well, maybe my clients are now going to think I'm not recovered enough. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely had a, a moment of being like, like professionalism. Have to, yeah, exactly. I have to put myself out there as recovered enough or professional or whatever. Then it's but it's like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the reality is like it's all so much more complicated than that. Nobody's ever going to have like pure body image all the time. I don't think – I know anyone who doesn't, you know, n- people without eating disorders included who've never had an eating disorder or even disordered eating, like, will still sometimes have a negative opinion about their body or feel like, oh, maybe I should change this or whatever. So I think it's it's kind of important to honor that, like, that's, like, the culture that we're all mired in, you know? We're all part of this, like, just body negative culture and we're probably going to have some body negative thoughts every so often even when we're recovered even when our body image is generally good yes I have like you know such powerful experiences for myself of like really honoring and really appreciating my body at this size and at its you know biologically appropriate weight and you know what it can do and how it looks and everything but like I also sometimes have moments where I'm like do I look fat in this you know yeah. and it's like oh god who cares right. but that is conditioned it's like conditioning. really deep yeah. deep in there and then not only is it deep in there like all day long we're getting those messages from other people mm-hmm. and it's it's crazy and like um Okay. Oh, I have so much that I wanted to add. This has gone by so fast. We're going to have to do the rest of like the non. I wanted this whole (laughs) thing to be not food related, but Mm. then it like became this, which is like great and amazing. But I might, we'll do those questions as like quick fire, like at the end. But okay. So quickly about this, I think that it goes back to like kind of what we were talking about, about that social movement where it's like this we want to shift society. And that's why I think my astrologer, I'm being so weird about this, but I feel like when my astrologer said that, like I really want to help shift society. So maybe the generation after us, maybe this isn't, maybe the cool thing online isn't, you know, health Mm -hmm. and wellness in that sense. It's health and wellness in our sense, which Mm -hmm. is what we've been talking about this whole time, which is health at every size and all this body image stuff. And it helps it not be so ingrained for people growing up and it's not coming at you all the time because Mm -hmm. of course it's going to like keep coming up when we live in a society where it's everywhere. And like Melissa Favello, as she came on my podcast a couple um, like week ago or whatever, and Mm -hmm. she was saying to me, that her whole thing is that like she I was asking I asked this question like what are you struggling with right now what are you like trying to improve about yourself and she was like I'm really you know I want to do better with body image she's like I just really Mm want to like my body more and um and that could be very surprising to people because she's like such a feminist hero and Mm -hmm. she's such a body positive person online publicly but to say that she still struggles with that all the time was really fascinating for me to hear and so Mm -hmm. helpful for me to hear and she was saying you know that when I have a body image day to not make it turn into a body image week or a body image month because that's Mm -hmm. debilitating and that's really not good and that I think is when it can get scary when it becomes like and I've been there where, where it's like a negative thing happens in my life and then my default, like you were saying, my default like coping mechanism or go-to like way to beat up, beat myself up mm-hmm. isn't like about anything other than my body and like my physical appearance. That's just where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. And then that can like make things worse and spiral. So 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy. And I, yeah, and I think it's kind of important as people working in the space too to like model that, you know, it's not perfection. Like you're not going to just, you're not going to recover from an eating disorder and get cool with your body like a hundred percent all of the time, you know, like recovery is imperfect and different for everyone. And there's going to be like little gray areas that we all have or little blips or moments, you know, like I think the, and you know, this is true for people who don't have eating disorders too, but just want to get cool with their body. Like, I think it's, it's just a practice and maybe we're all doing this practice and some people are just kind of, um, doing it in a more, positive, you know, a way that's, that's helping them. And some people are practicing negative body image and reinforcing negative body image and, you know, could use more practice in the other direction. So. Yeah. And I think what really helps, and this is a great transition to my other things I was going to ask you, is mm-hmm. to just like stop being around people who are also thinking about it all the time. Yeah. And talk about other things and talk about like instead of complimenting people on on how they look and oh this is what I was going to ask you about mm-hmm. earlier from your last week's podcast is you guys were saying you know compliment people on other than things mm-hmm. other than looks and that is so hard for me like I'm it's mm-hmm. really easy for me to compliment people on things other than looks but I whenever I do see something that I like I compliment on that them on that as well because mm-hmm. I'm just like a complimenter like oh my god I like your hair I like your dress I like your uh, right right and it's just like what I what I do and like maybe it's like a girl thing but mm-hmm. that is a hard thing for me and then you've talked about this a bit before and I was kind we were kind of starting to talk about it when we were talking about like this becoming more trendy and people who I was starting to say this before people who were never into like health foods and wellness stuff mm-hmm. are like getting into that now and then they expect me and you because of what we do online and they don't really understand it or know and so they just expect us to be like wanting they're gonna like you know talk about their diet with and like right. get help with their mm-hmm. diet about and like oh look at I'm doing this or that and to politely like remove ourselves from that converse those conversations is mm-hmm. rough and then also like feeling you you said this so and I resonated with this so much and I've heard that you talk about this on podcasts of like when you as a young kid like discovered dieting or no when you were like older I think in college mm-hmm. I'm such a stalker I know like everything <laughs> but oh, when great. you were like became um into like the dieting world you mm-hmm. were like oh this is what it's like to be a woman you just talk about dieting and weight right. and weight watchers and blah 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 and like that's just like part of the dialect and mm-hmm. it's so true like this woman um that that I know who's like an amazing person she was saying once that you know she's a teacher and all through Christmas time in the staff room everyone's bringing in treats and whatnot and they're constantly talking about their bodies like oh I was so bad I was so bad I was so Mm -hmm. like attaching all this morality to it and she would just like not like be part of that and then people were like oh you don't want to say that around her you know they kind of became this like pariah of and so it's just like oh it's like you want to participate in society and like be Mm -hmm. part like be part of it but I also don't because I don't want to like prolong it so it's right it's just this interesting thing I know we've both like struggled with totally yeah it's like we've felt like outsiders before and now we're feeling like outsiders again I kind of it's like I I mean it's sometimes painful in that way because I'm like oh this again you know like feeling sort of 
on the outskirts yet again. But I try to just, you know, surround myself with people who do think the same way and talk about things in the same way and, you know, not allow ourselves to descend into that. But it's tough. I think it's like a constant dance. And I'll be curious to see where we are in 10 years if like, you know, the thing we're into now is going to be the thing that everyone else is into then. And I think so. I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. I remember like one day this summer I called you and we were talking on the phone and I was just like really down about the fact that where we want to be in 10 years isn't today and just yeah like there's so and I was just like Christy like do you ever feel really sad about the fact that like all day long like here we are like Oprah's investing in Weight Weight Watchers Mm. and there's like all of everything is like health and wellness and green juice and it's everywhere Mm -hmm. and like just feeling really frustrated about this like we have so far to go and like the society is so warped like sometimes I'm just like are you kidding me? Like, is this, yeah. am I the only one that sees this? Like, am I the only one? Like, is this some, it's like a weird cult that like everyone is like a part <laughs> of. And I'm just like, wait, you guys. I know. This is crazy. Hello. Dieting is like so weird though. Why are you doing yeah. that? You know? And I just got like really down about it. And you were like, you know what? Like, you just gave me really great advice. I don't really remember exactly what you said, but I just mm. remember it made me feel a lot better. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't remember what it was either. <laughs> Basically, I think it was but, just like, just do what you can and like keep doing it. Right. And, like, be part of the solution and not the problem. And, you know. Yeah. Which is that hard. That sounds about right. Yeah. Which is, it is. It is hard. But I, I think that's like having support and having you in my life and a lot of other people and like having conversations like this and hopefully getting more people on board helps. It helps me feel better. Like yeah. writing about my experience actually is super cathartic for me. Like mm-hmm. I wrote this is the part that got cut out of the article. But I was saying that like not only am I nostalgia for like nostalgic for that old body that I was in when I fit this societal norm. I'm nostalgic mm-hmm. for being a part of this wellness movement Mm -hmm. that I was so a part of that I'm not anymore you know I'm part of a different movement and that's okay but um I'm not I'm not you know and like being okay with that sometimes I do want to go back and be like oh yeah but whatever whatever and Mm -hmm. um and I don't think it's like so black and white like I can I still do enjoy you know healthy eating and foods some Mm -hmm. of the time so it's not like a black and white thing but um, I don't know. Like, don't you have a T-shirt that says like kale and cupcakes? Or yes, something? yes, it's I do. Like Eat kale and cupcakes. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I love the taste of kale. Genuinely, I'm like very excited when I see a good kale salad on the menu somewhere. But that yeah, doesn't mean it's like always what I order. Yeah, it's delicious. But you know, I it's yeah, it's so tricky. I but we're not wrong if we have snacks on the airplane because exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and snacks are part of a good balanced life. So enjoy them oh there's so many more things we could talk about i know there's so many more things so okay so this is good because we were saying that like when the body image stuff gets really like intense then Mm -hmm. focus on other things and i wanted to like ask you all about improv and acting and stuff but i'll just ask you i'm gonna just like go through all of these um questions that i have that are really like not very quick fire but we'll just like (laughs) we'll just see how it we'll just see how this goes okay cool Okay, so we're having a dinner party, you and I, mm-hmm. and you can invite five people. What, who would you invite? What would you make? What would you cook? Um, and what would you love someone to turn and ask you about? And what would you hope that someone doesn't ask you about? 
Ooh, that's such a good question. Oh my God. Okay, Pete Holmes, of course. Yeah. Um, you because you gotta be there with Pete Holmes. Amazing. Or no, well, you're already there. Never mind. Okay, so mm-hmm. five other people. Um, my boyfriend, because I love him. That'll be amazing. And um, we're gonna get along great. Oh yes. I wanted so to meet, meet him anyways. Which yes. I feel like I've kind of have like on Skype. I know you did, yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm like half expecting him to walk through the door and be like, Are you still talking to Katie? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get to meet him in a moment. Okay. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, okay, so those those are obvious ones. Um I love talking to Harriet Brown. I could talk to her forever, so I feel like I would invite her. Um, the author of Body of Truth, and I just read her other memoir, um, uh, brave girl eating about her daughter's recovery from anorexia. So I would, I would definitely invite her. She was um, on your podcast. Yes, yes, she was my guest last week, or who knows when this is recorded. But a link to that to episode. <laughs> yes, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm loving Aziz Ansari right oh, now. Oh yeah, are you watching and the Netflix show? I am. I oh, love it so much. Okay, I'm gonna watch it like right after this. Is yeah, it really good? It's so good. It's it's. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so I would like to invite him and talk to him about the show. And I know he and Pete Holmes are friends and they yeah. kind of came up together. So that would be they would fun. Have a good dynamic. I always think at dinner parties about like who's going to get along and like bring out the best in each other. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, gosh, who else? I, well, now I'm just thinking of comedians and like. Well, pers- I think we should have Pete bring his girlfriend Val because guess yes. what? Evan told you this. She's uh-huh. coming on my podcast. Oh my God. I actually just reached out to her to have her on mine too. Oh my God. This is Yay. amazing. That's amazing. I was like about to text you like, this is not a drill. This is coming on my podcast. And then I was like, I'll just tell her tonight. And I forgot until right now. So yeah, we should bring her. She's like real cool and does like a bunch of cool stuff. So I think she would. And that one, like Pete would be happy that she was there. Right. Exactly. Yes. We need to have her for him and for us because she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, That's very cool. All right. So that's a good amount of people. What would we eat? So yeah. What would we eat? I mean, probably like kale and cupcakes or something. Along those lines, you know, like a nice, nice, fun protein, maybe a couple protein options for like vegetarians and non, yeah. um, a couple like colorful veggies, some delicious bread, some kind of like, I'm thinking maybe like Sullivan Street Bakery or some like a really nice like New York small bakery. Oh, that would be good because like I'm from out of town and don't know right, them. Right, right. You would do like, yeah, that kind of special bread. A lot bread. of LA people in town, so... Right. Something very New York would be nice. Totally, yeah. So very New York stuff. Maybe some like nice butter from the farmer's market. I'm thinking family style, like yeah. just like lots of different dishes, lots of different vegetables, like every like fresh farmer's markety stuff in the <laughs> middle and we just kind of like share and talk for hours. Yeah, exactly. I'm picturing like – um, like, um, not necessarily board games after dinner, but I'm picturing like – did you ever play Mafia? Oh, yes. I'm picturing I, us playing that after dinner. Is that the like one that. where you put like the thing on your head? Like, no, no, no. Or you, no you just – you there you pass out cards, like mm-hmm. a deck of cards, and if you get an ace, then you're the killer. And oh, you wink right. at – you don't know who the killer is, and you just like wink you at wink. people, so it's really funny. <laughs> and then, then they have to be like, I'm dead. I think that right, would be like right. really oh, superb after dinner. Yeah. That sounds perfect. And okay. Then- so what would you want someone to ask you about at the table, and what do you hope that they don't ask you about? Mm, I would want someone to ask me about like my work, my this the work that I love, which is like, you know, I well, so okay, this is crazy. This is actually I haven't even shared this on my podcast or really told many people at all, but I'm I'm starting to work on a book proposal and Yay! I I want like 
I don't know. I just want to put it out into the universe that I want a book deal and I want people to like yes. to me about my book deal and like talk to me about my book ideas. And um, so, yeah, I, yes, it's yes, very, yes, yes, yes. That very, is the best news safe. that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. Thank you. I'm so happy too. It's, I mean, it's been years that I've like had a book idea. Actually, Food Food Psych was partly born out of a book idea I had before to write like a cultural history of emotional eating, which is like still kind of a cool idea, but yeah, I don't think cool. really enough for a book necessarily. So I, I kind of like mine some of those ideas and turn them into Food Psych. Um, but I think the book that I want to write either it's it might be a little self-helpy, but it might be personal too. And we'll see how it all I shakes out. With like like stories of other people even like intermixed and like just like yeah. pull quote things too because yes. you've had some oh it's gonna be so good whatever it is I can't <laughs> wait for it I'm excited. I know too. yeah you light I, up when you're talking about it so it's thank you yeah oh, I think amazing. that's I think that's why I want people to ask me about it because yeah you know, especially like the people we have assembled at our dinner party because yeah. they're fun to talk to I'm sure yeah um and so, then I, what do I not want people to ask me about I guess like anything to do with <laughs> anything yeah. to do with like the food on the table say. and how good or bad it is oh, for you. I, yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to say something like that cuz yeah. Yeah, like it, just not have that be a it's part. It's just of boring. It. Like it's not yeah. when you, when food isn't like your main concern and your body isn't your main concern, it's like it's really kind of boring, you yeah. know? It's like I realized like I was so into food and wellnessy stuff because I wasn't into anything else. You know, yeah. and then I realized that like there's a lot of other things that are way more interesting, really. I know there's this whole amazing world out there. Food is so mundane. It's like it's really interesting that something so mundane has become so glorified, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so like we don't we won't have any food talk at the table other than to be like, oh, this is great. Pass me more of this or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's. OK, that's- so next fun question. Mm-hmm. You're trapped on an island. You can bring with you one person, one TV show to binge watch, one mm-hmm. book that you wouldn't get sick of, and one food that you wouldn't get sick of. Wow, this is a good question. Uh, okay, this is so cheesy, but boy, uh, the person again. I'm gonna say my boyfriend. Um, duh, duh. He's great. I never get sick of talking to him. Um, a show that I would never get sick of watching. I mean, it's tough because I feel like. There are shows that I love that I've watched all of that I know I would love to watch again, but then forever? I don't yeah, know. It's so really it's like, hard. Um, and then it's like there are shows that I'm in the middle of watching that I'm like, oh, yeah, I want this. So maybe maybe it's that. So it might be um, Aziz Ansari show Master of None or um, Last Man on Earth, which I'm really loving. What is that? It's a – is it a Hulu? I think it's a Hulu original series, oh, cool. um, star- written and written by and starring Will Forte, uh, with Kristen Schaal and January Jones and like oh, a bunch of other awesome really people. Good. It's very good. Okay, yeah, it's I'm gonna have to get. And- Hulu. I gotta get Hulu anyways because I need to watch the rest of the Mindy Project. So yes, that's another one that I would consider bringing with me because oh, it's so good. Oh, hilarious and delightful. Um, maybe girls too. I feel yeah. like I know. Although I mean, girls, girls isn't really a show that like. Of course, I'm gonna like watch every episode, but I've never like rewatched them because they're not like. Yeah, they're that's not, true. They're really intense and like they make me feel a lot of feelings. So I just, don't, like, <laughs> I just don't right. want to like 
go there it's not like comfort food yeah you know it's kind of like okay I watched it I'm done I experienced that you know right that's true I mean I was thinking like Breaking Bad I feel like the same way about like I probably won't go back right excuse me rewatch that but it's like one of the best shows of all time I can very much recognize or like The Wire you know it's like the same kind of thing yeah but yeah for long term you have to go with something like Mm -hmm. comedy I feel yeah Um, totally okay book Hmm, that's a tough one because it's like, do you go fiction? Do you go nonfiction? I mean, if I'm stranded on an island, I do I – I would say fiction for sure. Right, because do I even care about social right. issues if I'm stranded on an island? Exactly. Uh, I – gosh, I have – I actually like have not read a lot of fiction recently. I'm really – like, or if there was like a guidebook of like how to get off a deserted island. That oh, yeah, that one I would bring. <laughs> Um, I also really loved Moby Dick when I read it and like I feel like I read it a bunch of times for papers and just for fun and stuff. So maybe that because yeah, also be it's pretty, you know, it's a good theme with the desert island stranding. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nautical. You'd, like, you'd feel like you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, food that you wouldn't get sick of? Oh, that's tough too. I mean, one thing that I always say is kind of my go-to like – desert island style of food is Korean because I feel like there's <laughs> so much interesting stuff going on that like I wouldn't get sick of it and it's got a lot of, like vegetables and delicious meats and like rice and fun things but um, I thought you some... were gonna say something like super practical like a like something that you would have like on a desert <laughs> a island, like a coconut sandwich. or something like my go-to oh, yes and then you're like Korean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like a nice bibimbap. Which, yeah, that's convenient on the, that's convenient. the island. <laughs> totally. In a stone bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Um, okay, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, that's so good. Um, like, it's not that serious. And <laughs> like, just your body is not the problem. Oh, your yeah. is not the problem. Um. Although it's interesting because I, I think about that now. And we and wouldn't like, be talking. Exactly. Yeah. Like if I hadn't gone through that, but I I want to have saved myself from that. I, I feel bad for my past self having gone through that, but I also am like, it's made me who I am. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I would say like, pay attention when your therapist is talking to you because um, <laughs> I could have maybe learned some of that that stuff earlier. I don't know. Life is long. Yeah, life is long. I know. I say that all the time. And then I'm always like, knock on wood, because you never know. But <laughs> No, I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> yeah. Um, what Now I'm going to do Pete's questions. What mm. is the time you've laughed the hardest? Oh, that's so good. I always think about that when I listen to his podcast. I have mine like, for when I'm on his show. Really? Today. I want to yeah. hear yours, too. I would say, I mean, it. I. it's like his guests are always like, I can't even really remember. And I think that's that's kind of how mine is too. Like, I don't even remember what was being said, but I just remember yeah. I was in like maybe sophomore year of high school in math class, maybe junior year. Um, She's laughing right now. My, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I was with my friends Tara and Jessica and like we just would always crack each other up. And we had this math teacher named Mr. Sheppy who was such a weirdo. Like he was delightful. He was like the only person in our high school who had a PhD. He was very brilliant. But he – only teacher. Um, I don't know about the students. But <laughs> he yeah. like seemingly wore like foundation or maybe <laughs> – <laughs> maybe just had like 
kind of got like tan, like did like sunless tanner. I don't know. He was like a very interesting, weird human and so fun. And like we just, we loved him and we loved kind of making fun of him. But he would, he was a really good sport and he would like make fun of us back. So it was like something to do with that in math class. But like I just remember like Tara and I just started cracking up and could not stop. Like and Mr. Sheppy like stopped the class and was like, ladies, uh, are you like and he had this very just funny, dry way of talking that was like you could see like the twinkle in his eye and that he was like kind of laughing with you, but he was like acting very stern. He's like, anytime now, ladies. <laughs> we just like lost our shit. It was it was amazing. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I had a math teacher once who um, in middle school who painted her nails every single day to match the outfit that she had. Like, before <laughs> nail art was a thing. Like, she had these, oh like, God. super long nails, and so it would be, like, these intricate designs every day that, like, matched her dress. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, your okay. hardest oh, laughing. Mine oh it's it's okay well whatever I'll just tell it it's kind of long but I'll (laughs) tell it really quick basically I was taking home I was with like my friend's mom was taking us home maybe also high school probably around sophomore freshman year probably Mm -hmm. fresh we couldn't drive and her mom my friend's mom is taking us home and there's this girl who we didn't like know very well and she like needed a a ride home or something. Now I'm like, now that I'm telling this, I'm like, this is not even going to be funny probably. But <laughs> no, but I feel like they all are. I know. So. I know. So anyway, so we're like, yeah, we'll take you home, whatever. And so she's in the car and she's like, we're like, okay, where her, the my friend's mom was like, okay, where do we go, honey? Is it like left or right? And she's like, mm, shoo, I don't even know. I can't even tell you. And like oh, the no. way she said that was just like that. And she kept saying it over and over again. Like, and she'd be like, okay, well, let's go right. Is it over here? She's like, mm, shoo, I don't even know. I can't even tell you. And like she said the same thing over. And so then like it became later, way after that, it became like a joke with my friends and I. Like whenever like we didn't know, we'd be like, mm, shoo, I don't even know. Like I can't even tell you where my pen is at. Like we just would, like always say that. And it just became like this like really funny thing. Somehow she like found her house and we were like, we're able to take her home. Oh my but God. It was just so funny. So now like like whenever like I don't know an answer I like in my mind you know you have those like little jokes oh, yeah. with yourself and I'm like mm, shoot I don't even know where I put my keys like and I just like do this bit with myself it's oh, very that's funny. So funny but oh my god anyways yeah maybe by the time I'm on the Pete Holmes show I will have a different answer that something yes. else super funny has happened but right now I'd probably say that because it was like still makes me laugh really hard I feel like they're kind of all when you're a kid too right yeah like, or when you're like younger once people share usually from that yeah, yeah yeah I know it's either that or like a mushroom trip <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah because the other one I can think of is when I was really stoned and like yeah. I laughed non-stop but yeah I don't remember what about yeah it's like the same thing <laughs> Oh, farts were involved, I think. Actually. Oh, anytime, anytime where there's farts are involved. It's always, always funny. Oh, man. People just need to fart more just to laugh more. Yeah. <laughs> farts are always hilarious. I can't. I have like 10 more questions right now that I want to ask you. And I'm just contemplating like 
I think I'll just save them because I know you're going to come back. Yeah. So I'm just going to save them because I can't even choose. But this was amazing, and I just love you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening this far. I told Christy, I was like, I want to do a Pete Holmes-style podcast where we are recording for as long as it takes. And that's mm-hmm. what we did today. So if you listen to this far, thank you. And wait, wait I should have you say, do you want to say keep it crispy? Ah. <laughs> keep it, oh. Keep it wonderful? I don't know. Keep it wonderful. I will also say that one time on Pete Holmes's podcast, someone made a mistake and said, keep it Christy. And I was ah! like, hey! <laughs> okay, that's what we'll have you say. On my mirror. I was like, keep it Christy. So yeah, keep it Christy and keep it wonderful. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the wellness wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives and never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on the wellness see you back in wonderland <laughs>